And so they sat down there having dinner, and the, the mother kind of, she went up in the kitchen, the husband went with her to help with the drinks, and she said, listen, I'd like for you to kind of talk to him a little bit so you can get to know him. And so he said, well, that's fine. And so they ate dinner, kind of had some small talk, and then after it was over, he took him over into the living room. They sat down by the fireplace, and they were having their dessert there, and he began to talk to the young man. He said, I'm, I'm kind of curious. He said, yeah, I'd just like, would like to know you a little bit better. Now, what is it that you're, you know, that you're doing? You know, what, what are you going to be doing? He said, well, I'm actually a Bible scholar. And so the dad was like, well, that's, that's great. He said, that's really good. He said, you know, kind of what I'm interested in, though, is like, you know, what are you going to do you know, to make a living? You know, how are you going to take care of my daughter? And he said, well, he goes, you know, I'm going to study hard, and I, I'm going to leave all that in God's hands. And so he's like, that's, you know, I, that's admirable. He said, but, you know, like more specifically, you know, like you know, when you have a family, and say, how are you going to put food on the table? He said, well, you know, same thing. He goes, you know, we're just going to trust God. And so he said, okay, so like, how are you going to get your engagement ring? And so he said, well, I'm, I'm trusting God for that too. And so they kind of finished up their conversation, and the dad went back into the kitchen, and the wife was there and said, how did it go? And he said, well, he goes, you know, I, what I learned was he doesn't, have any, he doesn't have a job, he doesn't have any plans, but the good news is he thinks I'm God. Now, now I, think that there are, uh, I think there are some of us who have sort of that same mindset with the church. And I thought about that. I think sometimes we think that the church, you know, what we do is we do stuff on Sunday mornings, and then we just sort of take a break Monday through Saturday, and we're just going to leave everything else that's going to be in God's hands. You know, God, you know what are y'all going to do Monday through Saturday? Well, you know, we're just going to let God take care of all that. And then we wonder, well, well why is it that, that the church, and, and, and more specifically, why is it that we as believers don't make much more of an impact in our culture than, than, we, than we are now? You know, why is, our, why is our world in the shape that it's in now? And I think for a lot of it, it comes down to this. We just decided that we're going to, and I'm, talk, I'm, not, I'm just talking about in general, that we're just going to, we're going to play church, and we're just going to let God take care of everything else. And as I, as I thought about that, I thought, you know, if our world is really going to change, and you know, if our culture is going to experience healing, and we're going to see the power of God move like it moved in this book, then I really believe this. I believe it's up to the church to make a decision that we are going to engage culture, that we're going to be a part of this world, and that we're going to live out our faith publicly and serve publicly in this world like Jesus has called us to do. And that's why we're going through this series of messages called C4. And the, the idea of C4 is that's how our church, Village Church, is going to engage the culture in which we live. We're going to do it on our campuses and through our student ministries and our children ministries. That's what we talked about the last couple of weeks. And then we're going to do it through the other C's, through our community. That's what we're going to talk about today. And then through our care ministries. And then finally through our civic responsibility. So if we're going to make a difference, we're going to engage culture, then this is some specific things, some specific ways that we can do that. Now today we're going to be talking about us engaging our community. Now that sounds good, but the question is, what do we do? You know, how do we do that? And we're going to see that example from this story that we're going to be reading in Acts chapter 2, in verse, starting in verse 42 and ending in verse number 47. Now what's interesting about this text 
is that for three years, Jesus had been, you know, he'd been with the disciples day and night. He'd been, you know, basically raising up the disciples spiritually, teaching them the things of God. He performed miracles in, in front of them in order to confirm his identity, that he is the Son of God. And, th and then what happens? Well, after about three, three and a half years, Jesus is arrested. He stands before Pilate. He's put on a cross. He dies. Then the good news is three days later, he gets up. That's Easter. And you know, we all get excited about that. And then after about 40 more days, then Jesus ascends into heaven. He leaves and goes back to be with God the Father. And so the disciples, after three and a half years of having Jesus lead them all the time, for the first time in three and a half years, they're kind of looking around saying, well, now what do we do? You know, Jesus was here, but now he's gone. What's our function? I mean, how am I supposed to you know, continue on in my faith? What purpose does God have for me now? And that's where Acts 2, 42 through 47 gives us some help. It shows us how God began to work through his people in order for them to engage their community for Christ. And, and the way that we see them engaging in our scripture today is the way that I believe that our church today is still to engage. And so that's why we're going to look in our passage of scripture. Now just a, a background to the scripture is that it was they were celebrating what is known as Pentecost. Now Pentecost is you know Pente is what, what 50 and so it was 50 days after the Passover. Now in this setting here, do y'all remember what happened at Passover time? It's a crucifixion. So Jesus had been crucified, he'd raised from the grave, but just 50 days later, they celebrated Pentecost and the disciples all of a sudden, you know after they saw the risen Jesus, I mean, all the, you know, they were scared. They see Jesus conquers death. They're like, man, we are jacked up and excited. And so they, they go out and they start preaching. They start preaching about Jesus. Man, I know that y'all killed Jesus, but he got it from the dead, and you want to follow this guy. And so they're all excited. We're told that in one day, 3,000 people became followers of Christ. They heard the message. People from all over the world came to Jerusalem in order to celebrate Passover and Pentecost. But amazingly, they were able to hear the disciples speak to them in their own languages. And they became followers of Christ. And so what happened is their lives were totally changed. The community became different. So the question is, how did they engage their culture? And how can we engage the culture in which we live, where we can see God begin to change our community? Well, it began with this. It began with the people being willing to share. They were people who were sharing. Now, I'm going to read to you in verses uh, 44, uh, 44 and 45, if I can actually find it. Let's see, where is this? There it is. I found it. All right, 44 and 45. It says, Now all the believers were together, and they had everything in common. And so they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as anyone had a need. Okay, so just to, again, lots of people, like y'all over a million people would descend upon Jerusalem during this time. And so they came from all over the world in order to worship, to celebrate Passover, to celebrate Pentecost. They're all there, and then they hear this message about Jesus. 3,000 people become followers of Jesus. Now, this, so this is, this is radical. Because whenever they went there, they went there as Jewish people. Okay, now they're getting ready to leave. They've changed their faith. Okay, Y'all, this is a big deal. They have, they have given up the faith of the past. They believe that the Messiah has come. And so they're getting ready to go back home, but they're like, you know, we don't know enough about Jesus yet. 
And so before we go home, let's kind of hang around here so that we can learn more, so that we can be more trained and have a better knowledge of who Jesus is. And so they decided to stick around. And our verses I just read says that the people, they, they hung out with each other. It says they shared everything as, as everyone had need. They shared their food. They shared their money. They shared their homes. Now some people look at that and say, I knew communism was biblical. Okay, that's not what it's talking about here. Remember, the people, they are visiting. They're going to be going back home. But while they were here, they're like, hey, we need some help right now. And so they said, hey, listen, I want you to know more about Jesus. So I'm willing to share with you, not forever, but I'm willing to share with you while you're here before you go back home. Okay, so what's really being taught here is that a, a basic characteristic of our faith is this. Generosity. Christians who love Jesus, new communities that are formed that worship Jesus, one of the distinguishing marks of those communities is they are going to be a generous people. Folks, whenever we are generous, you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen in our community? People, they're going to take notice. I mean, it's going to be something they look at and say, well, that's something that's different. Verse 43 tells us how generosity affected this community. It says, fear came over everyone. They might say, well, that's a weird response to generosity. They became fearful? Well, it's, it's not, this was not speaking of the people were like afraid of Christians. What it means is that they became fearful in this. It says they were, what it means is they were dumbfounded or they were in awe at the way the Christians were living. Why? Because living like that's different. Our, our natural instinct, you know, and this is true for me, my, my human nature is not to share. My human nature is not to care about people outside of my little clan. My, we all know the, the, one of the first words every, every child learns is mine. Is that right? One of the first words in our family it was Daddy. But uh, for everybody else, you know, it was, it was mine. Uh, the, the one thing that we all like to do is we like to make sure that we take care of number one before anybody else. We're just by nature, we are by, whether you admit it or not, by nature, you and I are selfish. Right, just an example, it's an old story. Guy and his buddy went camping in the woods, and they're sitting down enjoying nature, and they're sitting by their tent drinking coffee when a guy sees a grizzly bear running at him full speed. As he's running on full speed, that guy throws down his coffee, puts on his tennis shoes, and his friend looks at him and says, you think you can outrun that bear? He says, I don't have to outrun the bear. What does he have to do? He's got to outrun you. I mean, y'all are, are on it today. He's got to outrun you. That's it. That is, a, that is the primary example of the way we are as people. You know, I love you, brother, but when, it, when, it, when, it, when the, it's time for the rubber to hit the road, I'm out. You know, you are on your own. Good luck. Okay, so I look at our text. Why did it get the attention of the people because they're generous because they shared with one another and they didn't just share with each other it says they provided for all guys let me tell you something people i really believe this people are hungry they are hungry for community they are hungry to see someone who is willing to reach out to them in order to connect with them and who has the better ability to display community and love for others than christians and that's what Jesus has made that a part of what our DNA is to be all about. 
Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 through 40, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So, so then you say, well, that sounds good, but how do I engage my community, or how do I engage with other believers as a beginning on a deeper level? How does it start? I'll share with you a couple of ways. At our church, one of the ways that we try to do that is through our V group ministries. So it's where we get together throughout the week, uh, throughout neighborhoods, all, all, all around us, in order to study God's word, to find out how God's word is supposed to impact our lives, how we are to live out God's word. That's what we do in our V group ministries. And we meet in homes all around us in order to make Village Church and the gospel more accessible to our community. We, we don't have, you know, we don't meet in homes in order to create little forts where we can go to hide from the world. We are meeting in different homes in order to make the influence of Jesus more easily, easily accessible. So when we, we meet together for V groups, we, we do so in the hopes that because we are there, because we minister to our neighbors in those places where we meet, that our neighbors will look at us and say, whether they, whether they follow Jesus or not, at least that they would say this, you know what, we are a better community, we are a better neighborhood, because the Village Church is here. So, so how do we engage community? Well, it begins with people sharing, but then the second thing is it starts by people fellowshipping. Now, we, we are called to fellowship with one another. Verse 46, it says, And every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex, and they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now, I like verse 46 because verse 46 shows us what Christians are like, not just whenever we gather together, you know, in, in, in a building and sing and listen to somebody preach. It shows what they were like when they left their worship places, and they went out into the community. Now, verse 46, it is interesting for this. If you look in verse 46, how often did they meet together to worship, according to verse 46? Every day. Okay, so y'all tomorrow, I expect y'all to be here, and we're going to do this every day. Okay, now, you might get a little bit nervous about that. Now, when it says every day, here's the customary practice for the Jewish people. They would go to the temple complex every day if you live near, to, near it, and, and they would have, they, their ritual hours of prayer were 9 in the morning and 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So they'd gather together in order to pray. They'd do that every day. They'd pray every day. But I think the, the bigger picture here for me is it does show us the importance of believers. If we're, going to, if we're going to engage our community well, then we better get together and be meeting together to honor our Lord. Uh, Hebrews 10.25, the favorite verse of every, of every pastor let us not forsake the assembling together of ourselves as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day appro approaching. Now, as believers, we've been called to fellowship with each other. And, and part of us fellowshipping together, if we're going to have strength in our community, y'all, we need to have each other's backs. We need to be praying for each other. Uh, another thing is we, we need to be enjoying each other. I, you know, one of the fun things about, about the church, about being a Christian, about meeting in small groups and having interactions with other believers, is we have a good time. Now, I know sometimes we can, you know, whenever we don't have a good time, it's, it's generally our fault. That we can have a great time together. 
You know, we're, 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 we're rooting for each other. We're on the same team. We lift each other up in prayer. We support one another. Y'all, it, is, it really is, it is fun to serve. It's fun to represent Jesus together. There is, there is something really motivating and powerful when we come together. We, we know this. There are strength. There is strength in numbers, right? Strength in numbers. I've never seen a successful demonstration or riot where only one guy was involved. But when other, other people get involved in the fracas, then it becomes powerful. Now, gathering together like that, numbers, strength in numbers can be good or it can be evil. Now, as believers, this is not going to be a shock to you. When we gather together, we gather together for good, not evil. We, we gather together and we look into God's word to gain courage from God's word so that together we can go out and live according to God's word even when the world doesn't approve of what God's word says. But when the world sees us living by God's word, they are going to see joy in our lives. They're going to see that we are a people who care about our community. And whenever we do that, I promise you this, the, the, the community will take notice. When we are a joyful people, you know, don't you like joyful people? As opposed to non-joyful people? I mean, you know, it, it's never fun to be around. You remember Saturday Night Live, Debbie Downer? Wah, wah, wah. Those people are not fun to be around. They're fun to watch on TV and laugh, but they're not fun to be around. Joyful people are great. And, but, but when we care for each other, people notice. I can give you an example of caring. Uh, there's a guy um, who was a foreign correspondent for USA Today, and he was assigned to Mogadishu, Somalia. And he said he and his camera crew were out, and they were filming, and they saw a boy who was walking down the road, and, and they noticed he was, he was obviously malnourished, and he was staggering, and so they, they happened to have a grapefruit. And so he ran over to give the boy a grapefruit. The boy was so weak, he couldn't hold a grapefruit. And so they got a knife, they cut it in half, and they gave it to the boy, and he could, he could hold half of it. And they were waiting for him to eat it. He didn't eat it. He just walked off, and he began to walk towards where he lived. And so they, they were following him, like, what in the world is this kid doing? And, and they got to his home, and on the floor in the home was a smaller boy, which was his little brother, who was obviously malnourished, and his eyes were glazed over, and that older brother got that grapefruit, and he would squeeze the juice out and put the pulp into his brother's mouth, and he would work his mouth up and down. And he's just simply trying to feed his brother. They, they learned that for the last two weeks, that, that older brother had been doing whatever he could to feed his younger brother to keep him alive. Two days later, they found out the older brother died of malnourishment. But the younger brother lived. And the reporter said that the, that, that image, when he found that out, he said it, it, burned, it was just an indelible mark on his mind when he saw the love and the care that older brother had for his little boy, his little brother. And, and I thought about that, and I thought, you know, people take notice of stuff like that. And I thought as, as believers, that is the way the world, our community, when they look at us, they should look at us and say, you know what, those people at Village Church, those people who are followers of Jesus, they love each other. They, they care for each other. You know, I know that if I was, in a, if I was, if I was hurting, I, I can tell you those people at that church, that they're going to pray for me. They're going to love on me. They're going to care about what's happening in my life. There is great power whenever there is fellowship with one another. Now, the way that we try to demonstrate fellowship to our community, there's just some real simple stuff, y'all. A few weeks ago, the way that we, tried to, that we connected with our community 
Y'all remember, I don't know if y'all went to, we did balloons and tunes out in Blythewood. And out there we had, our band was out there playing, and they were on top of a 18-wheeler bed. You know, they're, they're playing music, and then there, was a, there were hot air balloons out there. There were games for children. That was a blast. So I, I, there were a ton of people there. Now, okay, so the question is, why did we do that? You know, because it was a way for us just as a community, as a church community, to go into the community and say, you know what, we, we find you important. We don't want you to think that we hide behind these walls, but that we are willing to get out where you are and to invest in you. Matter of fact, there was a couple that was our family in our first service today. They, are, they came here because of that. Uh, the, the next thing that we're doing, another event, you might say, I'd like to serve in something like that. And I told y'all before, Lakes Carolina, October 23rd. Uh, our small groups each run stations there in, in, during the event, and it is one of the biggest events that we do every year. But one of the neat things about it is we just simply do it to say, hey, we as a church, we are here, and we are here to serve you. Another way that we fellowship is through our V group ministry. In our V groups, we gather together in neighborhoods. You know, and every V group is going to have a service project this year where we are serving in our neighborhoods to let them know we are a group of believers who gather together and we are here in order to pray for you and to serve you. People take notice. Now, I don't want them to take notice of us, but take notice of Jesus. So, so here's the question How do we connect with our community? We have to be a people who share, a people who fellowship, and then this people multiply, people who multiply. Uh, last verse I'll read. It's verse number 47. It says, And they were praising God, and they were having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Now one thing I'm learning is that whenever you practice, there are results that come from that. You know, if you are a, uh, yeah, if you're a golfer and you practice over and over again, you might, now that might be one where it really doesn't work. Uh, but if you practice, it, you're supposed to get better, right? You see the results on the course. You see the results on the field. Same thing tr is true spiritually. Village Church, if, if we practice, if we practice sharing, if we practice fellowshipping, we're going to see results. We're going to see results in our community. Uh, and you might say, well, that, that sounds good, but what are, what are the results? There, there are going to be people, when we, do, when we practice those things, who are going to look to Jesus. There are going to be people who say, what is it that you have that you want to love on somebody like me, love our community? What is it that you have? And we say, it's Jesus. And we want them to experience Jesus like we have because man, there's something powerful about experiencing the forgiveness of God. I don't care what you've done, where you've been. Jesus has the power to forgive. He has the power to give life. He has the power to provide us with the hope for a future. And that's what happened in our text. As they practiced sharing, as they practiced fellowshipping, look at the result, verse 47. They had the favor of all the people. Now that is a very interesting verse, and let me tell you why. It's Pentecost, 50 days earlier. Pontius Pilate, the governor of Judea had Jesus standing next to him. And the crowd was shouting, crucify him. Fifty days later, it says the disciples had the favor of all the people. What happened? You know what happened? They practiced sharing. 
They practice fellowshipping. They, they put God's word into practice, and the world took note of it. In verse 45, it says they took care of everyone around them. They were people of joy. Think, you think our world needs to see some joy today? I do. You know, I sit down, I watch, I watch the news like a lot of y'all do. I listen to the radio like a lot of you do. I read the paper like a lot of you do. You know what I notice? There are a lot of angry people in our world. Have y'all, have y'all picked up on that? Or it, am I just like the only crazy one here? There is so much anger in our world. There is so much frustration in our world. There are so many people who are so angry, they are just waiting to be offended so that they can unleash some anger. And I look at that and I say, there's got to be a better way. You know, and I know there, there's a lot of people and they, they can't wait to vent and to display anger. And I get that because there's something that feels good about, you know, blowing your top. But let me tell you something, that is not a permanent fix. It's temporary. It doesn't work. It's not going to leave you satisfied. As a matter of fact, what happens whenever we allow anger and bitterness to dominate our lives, it becomes a vessel that Satan will use to get a foothold in your life to drag you down and destroy you. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, Be angry and do not sin. See that? You can be angry, but don't sin. It says, Don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity. So, so what should we do? Y'all, the better path is joy. Now, now, I know that there are a lot of us who, who've struggled in life, so I don't see a whole lot of joy in life. And, and I would agree with you, just in the, in the macro view of the world, there's not a lot of joy in this world. But let me tell you, the one who does give joy, it's Jesus. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I, I love that word abundantly. The word abundantly, it is a picture of a glass that is constantly being filled with water, and you just keep filling it up and filling it up, and it's constantly overflowing. That is the kind of life, that's the kind of joy that God has in mind for you. Isn't that a cool, to me, that's a cool picture to me. Wouldn't you like to have joy like that? You know, the kind of joy and the kind of peace that never runs out. God is constantly filling your life with that kind of joy. Man, I like that. And so, so what's the deal? Well, if we become a people that are involved in sharing, a people that are involved in fellowshipping, then we're going to see more and more people wanting what we have. That's why we're told in verse 47 at the end, it says, And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. There's a lady named Linda who was going to drive from Alberta, Canada, where she was from. She's going to drive to the Yukon. Now, I don't know if you all know where the Yukon is, but if you look like on your map, it's like everything's green, and then the Yukon just like, it's, it looks like it's just like an ice pack. You know, it's sort of like on the edge of the earth. And so she's going to drive there. She wanted to look at it. And so she drove, and she had an old beat-up Honda Civic, and she was driving from Alberta, started getting to the mountains, and she stopped at a, at a motel in order to get a night's rest. And so she got up the next morning, went to breakfast, and she was sitting down. There were two truckers sitting there. It was like 5 o'clock in the morning. They thought that was kind of strange. The lady was up at the same time she was, uh, they were. And so one of the truckers asked her, said, where are you, you, know, where are you going? And she said, well, I'm, I'm driving, I've always wanted to see the Yukon. I'm driving up to the Yukon. 
the trucker looked at her, and he's, you know, he was a little surprised. He said, what kind of car do you drive? So I drive a Honda Civic. Now, I mean, Honda Civic, they're great cars, uh, but they're not exactly, you know, all-terrain vehicles. And so he said, uh, I got bad news for you. He said, there is no way you're going to make it to the Yukon in a Honda Civic. So, I mean, it's just, it is too rough. You're, as a matter of fact, there's so much fog and snow, you won't be able to see. And uh, so she sat there and said, well, what am I supposed to do? He said, well, I guess we're going to have to hug you. He said, I don't want anybody touching me. He said, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, when I say I want to, we're going to have to hug you, he said, now, what I'll do is my 18-wheeler, he said, I'll be in front of you, you get behind me. He said, my buddy will get behind you. He said, we will hug you through the mountains so that you can make it. And when I heard that story, I thought, that's us. That's you. That's our church. You see, we, we are on a journey in life where we are going through the mountains of life. And, y'all, we, and a lot of us know this. Life is tough. There are things that happen in life that are not fair. Things where we have circumstances that come our way and it breaks us down. The Village Church where we have an opportunity is we can hug our community to Jesus. We can get in front of them, we can get behind them, and they're in the middle, and we can guide and protect them and direct them to Jesus so they can get through this life and discover that there is a God who loves them. Now, on our own, we can't make it on our own. I can't make it on my own. I am sinful, I am broken. The Bible tells me that. It says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. But here's the good news. The last part of that verse says, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus leads the way, and we as followers of Jesus can encourage others along in this journey of life. That's why we want, that's why we want to engage our, our community. We want to engage our community so that our culture will begin to change. So how do we do that? Well, we become a people who share, people who fellowship. And the result is we'll see that we'll be a people who multiply. Now, practically, how do we, how do we put feet to our faith? Well, one of the ways that you can do that is when we walk out of the service, we have, a, we have a table set up over here where you can walk out. When we have Lakes Carolina coming up, we have a, a community table. We have some different events that we, we do where we engage community. If you're, not, if you're not serving already, you can do that. You can sign up. But we just don't want to be a church that meets together on Sunday and say we're just going to leave the rest of it to God and not do anything. Guys, God has put us here for him to work through, not just on Sundays, but, but seven days a week. And I want us to be a church that is engaged because that's what God's called us to do. So how are we going to engage at Village Church? We're going to do it on our campuses. And for this week and next week, we're going to see we're going to do it in our community. But it's going to take you and me to do it.